Hey, it's me, Gavin Crawford. Every week, I'll quiz comedians about the headlines. Do you worry about kids being exposed to drag? I grew up going to see men in dresses singing every Sunday and we had to give them money, okay? <laughs> I wish they were singing show tunes and had some makeup on their hair done, right? It would have been way better. If the news has you screaming into the void, we can help with that. Because news is available on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. The following is a special presentation from the Debaters Fact and Funny Hall of Fame. Stay tuned for a classic episode airing for the very first time since its original broadcast season. Hey Canada, we're going hog wild in Hogtown. From Toronto, it's the Debaters! (laughs) The Debaters, where comedians fight with facts and funny, and this audience picks the winner. Now here's a man who brings on the bacon, Steve Patterson! Hey, hello again, Canada! Hello, Toronto! Welcome back to the Debaters. Always great to be here in Toronto, a beautiful city from an urban design standpoint. (laughs) So much so that in some neighborhoods, Ontario Hydro substations are disguised as actual houses. You know hydro rates are too high when your electricity can afford prime real estate in Toronto. (laughs) Now, are you ready to meet a couple of electrifying debaters? This comedian is here because jokes. It's because news is Gavin Crawford. Coming out from behind the microphone to come on my show for a change. And this performer's jokes are all street legal. It's Eric Peterson, everybody. Strolling out to the stage deliberately. This man knows how to make an entrance. Your topic, gentlemen, is nature documentaries. Are they as exciting as people say? For all I know, lions don't even like eating gazelles. They just do it because it makes good television. Like the couple that half-heartedly kisses when they're at the game on the kiss cam. It would have to be a hell of a smooch to make up for eating your cousin Gary. This debate is going to be a beast. So, whereas shows like BBC's Planet Earth are as popular as ever, be it resolved, there's nothing more exciting than a nature program. Eric, you're arguing for this, please. You have two minutes, starting now. My following remarks depict scenes of graphic violence. (laughs) Nasty, nasty sexuality. That's got Steve's attention. And pretty awful table manners. Gentle Gavin, perhaps, just plug your ears. Because I'm going to be talking about nature programming. And I don't mean hinterland who's who. The loon. Ah, ah. No, I'm talking about the kill or be killed. Eat or be eaten. Red of claw and wild of eye nature programming of today that delivers the three double R's of gripping, compulsive television. Really rough, really raunchy, and really raw. 
The kind of television Shakespeare's Hamlet was referring to when he said, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than dreamt of by some chipmunk nibbling its nuts. <laughs> Nature programming is really rough. In super-duper slow motion, some hapless newborn creature careens awkwardly across the beach towards the safety of the sea. As long, black, loathsome snakes emerge from the rocks and slither after him at speed. Run! Run! Oh dear, the poor little tyke disappears in a ball of writhing, snacking snakes. How cruel! How heartless! How exciting! <laughs> Nature is really raunchy. So you think you can rot, mate, <laughs> fertilize, and pollinate? <laughs> Say yes to Mr. Bird, looking for Mrs. Bird, roughed and puffed. <laughs> With moves and dance steps that make dirty dancing look like square dancing. <laughs> horny caribou, horns locked in horny combat. <laughs> toads hopping toads for a clippery sicky, slippery quickie. <laughs> Salmon shoots sperm onto eggs in a trench. How weird. <laughs> but how exciting. Nature is really raw. An apex predator. Tears off another helping of something raw. Looks directly into the lens, your living room, and right at you, raising the hair on the back of your neck. Shiver, shiver, OMG! Nature programming is the most exciting. <laughs> Eric, Eric Peterson. That is going to be as close to a perfect depiction of nature programming on the radio as you're going to hear. Thank you, Mr. Peterson. Now, to tell us that it's not in his nature to find nature programming interesting, it's natural-born performer, Gavin Crawford. Thank you, Steve. Uh, well, I could argue that nature programming is only appealing to the elderly. <laughs> But seeing as Eric's just done that, <laughs> I will go a different route. Also, this is a CBC audience, and as everyone knows, no one knows exciting television like a CBC crowd. <laughs> Instead, I propose these types of docs, quote-unquote, present a false reality. Nature is dynamic and exciting. No, no, no. It is not. In reality, nature is mind-bendingly slow. In 1927, Welsh botanist John Gammersmith tried to watch a flower bloom in real time. And he died, Steve. That's right, he literally died of boredom. There is a reason it takes two years of filming to come up with one mildly exciting hour of planet Earth. It's a scam. 
Newsflash, the coral reefs are not beautiful. They are dead. <laughs> sure, they may have been great once, but now they are as white, bleached, and desperate as Maxime Bernier's party. <laughs> Even the high guru of nature programming, David Attenborough, routinely renames animals, and we just let him get away with it. He literally says things like, deep in the jungles of Sumatra, we find our closest relative, the orangutan. <laughs> The orangutan? Excuse me, you can't just make up new names for things, Sir David, or is it Sir David? <laughs> just because you say something in British doesn't make it true. <laughs> Eric here is cherry-picking moments to insist nature is exciting, but do not forget, for every amazing snake attack, there is 20 minutes of a meandering sloth. Or as Attenborough says, he may move at a snail's pace, <laughs> but this sleuth is on a mission. <laughs> Thank you. Gavin Crawford. Ladies and gentlemen, we got ourselves a debate. It's time now for the bare knuckle round. We're debating if nature programs are the most exciting, so go wild and crocodile it up. Horn in on each other. Not sure what we were going for there. <laughs> and have a whale of a time during each of your endangered species. Now remember, if you're a discoveried lion, you'll have to hoof it out of here with your tail between your legs. And remember, cheetahs never prosper. Gavin, I am willing to overlook your elder abuse. But I cannot stand still and have this wonderful CBC audience abused with your remark that they have no stomach for exciting programming. I still quiver at the thought of the Don Messer's Jubilee. I stand corrected. Uh, now, Eric, in your opening remarks, you, did you really say that nature docs are sexy? I would hate to see your browser history. <laughs> I mean, come on. How would you feel, sir, if some creep with an accent spent all day filming you naked? Because make no mistake, Eric, these animals are all buck naked. And if that doesn't weird you out, it should. Oh, you're such a moralist. The beauty of Gavin's mind, his appearance, and his arguments give me no option but concede the debate to him. <laughs> Said the chameleon. Uh. <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to stop it there. That's a good place to stop the bear not go round. Time now for the firing line. In my hand, I have a list of questions on nature documentaries brought to you by the official snack of the African savanna, Serengetios. <laughs> the BBC series Earth was the first nature documentary to do what? Eric? Show a chipmunk nibbling its nuts. I mean, it's not the answer, but your performance is so good. I gotta give it a point. 
Gavin Crawford. Uh, it was the first documentary to show us that killer whales don't just eat seals, they play with them for an hour first like a murdery badminton team. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Answer we were looking for is uh, shoot aerial shots of Mount Everest. Close, though. <laughs> Why was one former BBC executive concerned about legendary nature host David Attenborough appearing on television? Eric. He's a British twit. And it was feared people in the former colonies, people like Gavin Crawford here, could easily imitate and comically feast in post-colonial bitterness on his upper-class accent and demeanor. That is the longest wrong answer we've ever had. <laughs> Gavin? Simple. He cannot pronounce orangutan. <laughs> That's a good point. You've always said that. You, as long as I've known you, you've always said that. Uh, the actual answer, they thought his teeth were too big. And that's on BBC, you can't go gloating with big teeth. And that is the firing line, everybody. Right into the home stretch now at the Danforth Music Hall. And it's almost time for our audience vote. But first, here again to tell us that he's always on the hunt for entertaining viewing, but nature programming doesn't capture his interest. It's Gavin Crawford. These sensationalist programs do one of two things. They either make everyone too terrified to go outside. Who needs to know that there is an island somewhere with 10,000 snakes on it? I have enough trouble sleeping with the current American administration. Or, for the bold but misled, these programs push people into approaching nature very stupidly. Just take Shark Week. Thanks to Shark Week, people now pay money to sit on the ocean floor feeding sharks. This is propaganda, people. And as Sister Pooh once put it so eloquently on YouTube, the ocean is the shark's house, okay? And when you go to the shark's house, you're gonna get ate up. Okay. <laughs> Gavin Crawford, excellent points of why he's against nature and for our own safety. Now, to tell us, when it comes to television, he prefers something a little National Geographic. Here's Savage Spectator, Eric Peterson. There are many reasons why nature programming is the most exciting soundtrack and orchestration that makes Lord of the Rings sound like a garage band on a banjo. <laughs> Cinematography, slow motion, split screen in my favorite time lapse, eh? Winter, spring, summer, fall, flow one into the other in seconds. Oh, how we long for time lapse here in our own lives in endless, endless Toronto winter. It's real, is the real reason why nature programming is the most exciting. A great white emerging from the depths, mouth agape in a grin of shark's teeth, between which some poor bloody seal contorts in vain desperation. <laughs> That's not a stunt. No, ladies and gentlemen, nature programming is to the world of television what, dare I say it, Snuff movies are to the Sopranos. <laughs> and in a very, yes, of course, I, I completely understand. I have crossed a certain line there, but... 
And in the very old part of our primate minds, this is a serious part now, we retain a memory of the claws and jaws closing around us just before we too became, like that poor bloody seal, a tasty bit of something raw. Ooh, shiver me timbers, ah, that's most exciting. Eric Peterson, always the most entertaining radio debates to watch. I love having Eric. It is up to you to decide, audience. By applause, who thinks that Eric's pro-nature program points were perfect? Eric Peterson. A lot. A lot of support for Eric. And who thinks Gavin's anti-nature show shenanigans were surefire? Gavin Crawford. It is very close. It's well fought on both sides, but I have to give this one to Eric Peterson and the Nature Documentaries. Big hand for Eric Peterson and Gavin Crawford, everybody. You're listening to The Debaters on CBC Radio 1. Want to be a part of the debating action? For upcoming tour dates, visit cbc.ca slash the debaters. Let's take a journey back to 2003. Canadian teen sensation Avril Lavigne was topping the charts and turning the music industry upside down. But what if I told you that the Avril Lavigne we know and love might not be the same Avril? What? Did Avril die? Was she replaced by a doppelganger? I'm Joanne McNally and I'm doing a deep dive into a notorious internet conspiracy. Who replaced Avril Lavigne? Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey Toronto, are you ready to meet your next pair of debaters? This comic thinks roofers have their heads in the clouds. It's Arthur Simeon. Arthur Simeon, one of our favorites making his way to the lectern to my right. And when this comic is on the debaters, she's Deb on air. It's Deborah De Giovanni, everybody. There she is. Your topic is a good one for Toronto, and that's why we're doing it here in Toronto. Public transportation. Should you use it? The TTC was named the best public transit agency in North America in 2017. That's true. That's a true fact. Which is why in 2018, they felt they could keep us waiting for the next award-winning year. (laughs) Time to transfer to the topic now. So, whereas it's more affordable and better for the environment, be it resolved, whenever possible, you should take public transit. Deborah, you're arguing for this, please. You have two minutes Starting now. Hello, it's Deborah. Hi, Deborah. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you that using public transportation is the superior mode of transport over cars. First off, I do not drive. Uh, so there's that. But secondly, I do not drive because driving is dangerous. A bus can get into an accident as well, but at least on a bus, you're not dying alone. You are dying with a bunch of rude strangers the way God intended. So in the Bible, page six. Um, halfway down, you gotta read. But the thing is, public transportation is safer, and I think I just proved that. And it's also cheaper. A token is like what, 50 cents? Oh no. It's, oh wait a minute, it's 325. Oh, that is, that is. 
That's disgusting. But I think it is cheaper than gas, which I'm pretty sure is $400 a liter. I'm, again, I don't drive. And sometimes, taking the subway or the bus is also a nice way to scope dudes. A subway car is akin to Tinder. You can spend rush hour mentally swiping left and right. On the train, you're practically getting to second base if the car is full. I'm not totally sure what second base is, but I think I'll talk about it later. I think this is literally the easiest debate I've ever done. I don't think we need to vote on this one, but sure, let's let Arthur attempt an argument. I think, I think we have the time. Do we have the time? Yeah, All right, go. Thanks, Arthur. <laughs> Deborah and Giovanni is all for public transportation, uh, but Arthur has not spoken yet. Thank you, Deborah. Now, to tell us that public transit is cruising for a losing, it's the always driven Arthur Simeon. Uh, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, first of all, it's a complete myth that public transit is good for the environment because every single person that takes public transit also carries an enormous amount of plastic bags. <laughs> which are filled with even more plastic bags. <laughs> and broken dreams. <laughs> they say 80% of paper currency in North America has traces of cocaine on it. Well, what you don't know is that 85% of bus transfers have traces of phlegm and mucus on them. <laughs> Every single public bus ride has that one passenger whose cough can only be described as a death rattle, which they will deliver with abandon and precision to the faces of everyone on the bus. You would never allow anyone like that in your personal car. If you live in a small town or a rural area, there's always just the one bus driver named Beverly, who's also a cricket farmer and a raging alcoholic. <laughs> and so announcements like buses won't be running today because some of the crickets got loose and Beverly will be in the drunk tank until further notice. Public transit is for people who have failed in life. <laughs> the losers who can't afford control of their lives and have to stop every 500 yards to meet one of their own. When you get on a city bus and look around, you don't see pillars of society staring back at you. All you see are the faces of regret, failed job interviews, school dropouts, and people in the arts. Thank you. Arthur Simeon on why public transit is not good. It is time now for the firing line. In my hand, I have a list of questions on public transit brought to you by Soul Train's slower, way less cool brother, Soul Bus. <laughs> Vancouver's SkyTrain is unique from all other rail systems in the country. In what way? Deborah. So many beards! <laughs> probably it's a lot a, of beards. Probably are a lot of There's beards lot of on there. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Arthur Simeon? It is powered by CBD oil and pretentiousness. <laughs> Two points for that one. The actual answer, it is completely automated, which is sort of what you just said, so I'll give you one official point. Yep. Toronto leads the country in what public transit category? Arthur. Most naked passengers. <laughs> Deborah. It's the barfiest. 
Incorrect. Oh. <laughs> it's the uh, most expensive monthly pass. Which makes you barf. <laughs> All right. I mean, and you can't afford clothes. <laughs> you guys are really... The audience gave you an extra point for that. Finish this proverb about the bus. A bus is a vehicle that runs twice as fast when... Deborah. Its personal trainer is watching. She's, good she answer. never takes a break. Turn around for a minute. <laughs> One and a half points. Arthur Simeon. A bus is a vehicle that runs twice as fast when Beverly has to get to happy hour. <laughs> There's good old Beverly again. The crickets. It runs twice as fast when you are after it as when you are in it. I don't know who said it, but they clearly missed the bus. That's the firing line, everybody. We're in the home stretch, and it's just about time for our beautiful Danforth Music Hall audience to vote. But first, here again to tell us that he's not private about his disdain for public transit, it's bus basher Arthur Simeon. Ladies, imagine that two guys ask you out on a date, and both of them offer to pick you up. One of them drives over, arrives on time, and brings you fresh flowers. He opens the door for you, you sit in his car, and he has the seat warmers on. You're in love. The other arrives 27 minutes late because the streetcar was delayed. He too has flowers, but they're covered in dust, paint, and blood for some reason. He asks you to walk to the nearest bus stop where you wait for 15 frigid minutes. You are cold and hungry and you still have 20 minutes left to get to the restaurant. And at that point, loneliness and Netflix seem like a much, much sexier option. So please, do the right thing. Don't take public transit and don't date someone who does. Thank you. Arthur Simeon, oh. all right, is against public transit <laughs> and love. <laughs> now, to tell us why she's not fussed about the bus and she doesn't complain about the train, it's the very well-traveled Deborah DiGiovanni. <laughs> okay, in closing, driving is for suckers. Uh, not only are you saving the planet by having less cars on the road, something Arthur clearly doesn't care about. I mean, he might as well be wearing a mega hat, but let's move on. Public transportation is more efficient. You can text, you can sext, you can play video games, you can write your, your debate, uh, you can watch <laughs> on the bus. So please take the bus, save the planet, fall in love, and get your taxes done. I rest my case. Amen. <laughs> Deborah Giovanni That's preaching the gospel I... of public transit. She thinks she's got this thing. Let's see what the audience thinks. By applause, who thinks Deborah's transit trumpeting triumphed in this debate? Deborah De Giovanni. All right, that's a busload of people right there. And who thinks Arthur's transit trashing truly trounced Arthur Simeon? All right, the audience has spoken. They do not think that public transit is the best way. The winner is Arthur Simeon. That's all for this week. I'm Steve Patterson saying thanks for all those rides, public transit. Now if we could just choose the public that transits with us. I'll argue with you again soon, Canada. Good night.
The Debaters is created by Richard Side. This week's episode was produced by Nicole Callender, Chloe Edbrook, Dean Jenkinson, and Graham Clark. Our classic debates were produced by Josh Bailey, Nicole Callender, Katie Ellen Humphreys, Graham Clark, and Tracy Rideout. With technical production by John McLean and Kyle Katasiewicz. Executive producer of CBC Radio Comedy is Lee Pitts. And thanks to everyone at the Danforth Music Hall in Toronto. Hey, Debaters fans in North Vancouver. We're coming for two shows on February 7th and 8th. For details, visit cbc.ca slash the debaters. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.